coming to you from beautiful upstate New York. This is the Slam Tilt Podcast, a show about Whoa, home. whoa, 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 time out. You're going to interrupt the intro. Yeah. Episode 200, and you're going to interrupt the... Okay. Where's the music? Where's the Beavis and Butthead? We are known for this. Uh, well, it's episode 200. I figure I would do something special. Oh, you are special. I know. <laughs> oh, you are so special. Stop. Okay. It's in my contract. Your that, contract. Yes, I have a contract signed and sealed from the lawyers from uh, over in Australia that states that I get the Beavis and Butthead intro and a certain music. The, the, the law offices of Cheatham and Hal. Yes. You all. <laughs> Yes. All right, all right. I'll tell, I'll tell you what. Since you're being a pain in the ass, I will, I'll will. i play the Beavis and Butthead in the music, but you have to do the intro. Oh, God. I got to do everything in this fucking yes, show now. Yes, you do. Okay. All right, queuing it up now. Okay. Hey, buddy, check it out. There's a marching band out here. Really? They fuck. Yeah, but, um, you know, it could be kind of cool to be in a marching band. You know, those guys just poop right on the street. What are you talking about, Beavis? No, no, I'm serious. I'm serious. One time, when I was a kid, I saw this parade, and after the marching band went by, there were these big, huge turds everywhere. (laughs) And I was like, there was grass sticking out of them and stuff, and it was cool. Beavis, you (laughs) dumbass. Those turds didn't come from the band. They came from the horses. Yeah, but, um... Oh, oh, yeah, yeah. And that would explain the grass, yeah. (laughs) you from beautiful upstate new york this is the slam till podcast a show about all things pinball i'm your host bruce nightingale with my co-host ron hallett wow i'm out of a job <laughs> i did like a game show oh damn <laughs> I, I, why do i even I, I must just leave right now then after that jesus christ thank you welcome to 200 baby ah you're right uh the fans would be pissed if beavis and butthead didn't play for episode yeah. 200 yeah Okay. God. But here we are. The 200 big two, fucking episode. Oh, oh, that's a how many how much editing is that? Oh, that's a ton of editing well, for I, you. I got to calculate this right here. Let's just uh let's say uh 4 hours an episode. How about we do that? So yeah. that's 8 800 hours. hours. And we only have probably about 600 hours of content. <laughs> 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 That's Whoopsie. true. Whoopsie. <laughs> That's true. It's probably about, yeah, it's probably about three hours to two hours. Each yeah, one. Yeah. yeah. Well, no, well, one to two hours. I, actually, I can't remember the last time we only had a one hour. Yeah, it's been a while. It's been a while. I'm sure there's people out there, man, I wish they'd have shorter podcasts. Yeah. And there's other people like, they're not long enough. I know. We have both. Well, I just like to say thank you to everyone who's listened. Uh, I hope you've enjoyed the ride. The ride, yes. The ride. I, I also thank everybody. Thank you for 200 episodes. Thank you for voting us into the Twippies. Oh, yeah, hopefully we win that Twippy. I just sent our... Uh, our intro. Our real... No, there was, yeah, a, there was a name for it. But basically, the thing they're going to play during the ceremony when they our name comes up on the screen. Yes. And luckily, it's all Ron. Uh, it's Bruce and Ron. And it's almost and thanks, all thanks Ron. to the listeners for the suggestions. We yes. got we got several. Yes, we did. Thank yeah. you guys. Or maybe you can edit it again and put my intro in. Oh no, no, too late. And remember, it's supposed to be for last year's stuff, Bruce. That's I the know. Way it goes. 
Compilation reel. That's that's what it was called. Yes, there yes. we go. So we got a 200th guest. Our 200th guest we have lined up. We'll save that for the uh, the end. Yes. We'll have. We're going to go through some stuff first. But our our guest, our 200th guest, is going to be Mark Panacho. Mm-hmm. Thank you, Mark, for coming on. That was very. It was actually a great interview. That was a great interview. That was. Um, I enjoyed it. The funniest thing about that interview to me is, in for those who don't, Mark Panacho, he worked at Williams mm-hmm. in the late 80s, early 90s. Then left. And left. And did games like Roller Games. Yep. Fishtails. Fishtails was his last game there. That's yep. that's how you end on a high note there. Yes. Now he works at Stern, and he is primarily, he works with the uh, Insider Connected, on the Insider Connected platform. But as you may or may not know, he is working with Keith Elwin on the Bond 60th anniversary game. Yes. So he's doing the rules for that. And speaking of Stern, uh, they just hired somebody new to run the whole Insider Connected. Uh, yeah, the new, the IT. Stern, new hire. You yes. must be looking at my notes. I am. No, not. I'm just psychic. Stern, Psycho. Pinball expands technology leadership. Appoints Erica Fromm as Chief Technology Officer, the CTO. And it looks like her company called uh, Zero One Insights, they were the company that collaborated with Stern in coming up with the Insider Connected platform. Yes. She also looks like she worked, uh, she was Director of Systems Development at WMS Gaming back in the day. I think it was the more the gambling side of yeah, it. Yeah, probably. And her company has worked with WMS, Aristocrat, IGT, more IGT. slots, Rocket Gaming Systems, and Rush Street Gaming. So in other words, she's been very involved with gaming. Yep. I've worked with IGT, a great company out in Reno and other places. That's where I got to meet and talk, well, talk to uh, Mr. John Yoshi. Let's see. And um, here's a statement here from Seth Davis. What voice could I use for Seth Davis? Seth McFarlane. I, I can't do Seth McFarlane. Yes, you can't because it's just Stewie. Stu- so I do Stewie as yes. – okay, so Seth Davis is now officially Stewie? Yep. Okay. And I haven't done Stewie in a while on the show, so – I know, so this is perfect. Let's see. What, what, what do you say, Seth? Stan is committed to investing in all of our pinball products, especially to the innovation and evolution of our insider-connected platform. Erica will continue to lead this charge and grow the future of pinball worldwide. Said Seth Davis, L. Me, President and CEO of Stern Pinball Inc. Now we just screwed ever getting an interview with him. <laughs> Why? Because he's Stewie? Yes. He might like that. Who knows? He might actually like it. So, congratulations to Erica. Have, yes. e- enjoy being the CTO of the biggest pinball company in the universe. You literally took the first, that was the first item on my, uh, my notes. I, was, I blended it right in, didn't oh. I? Well, Bruce. Yes. Chicago Gaming is looking for a pinball technician. Yeah. I think, they, weren't they looking for one like a year ago? No, that was uh, that was uh, Jersey Jack. Oh, okay. Yep. So, the, okay. So, have you submitted your resume? Uh, no, I don't like Chicago. <laughs> Why? It's, it's cold, just like Rochester. It's colder. It's colder? Really? Yes. So, there you go. Chicago Gaming is looking for a pinball technician. Yep. Did you did you put your thing in? Uh, no. Did did Zach put his in? No, I don't think Zach, so. No, he doesn't want to be a pinball technician. I wouldn't want to be. I already am. That's true. <laughs> That's true. Let's see what else. We're trying to blow through a lot of this stuff, folks, because 
We want to get to the interview. Well, plus we have a pre-interview interview. You know how I love the pre thing. Oh, I know. The pre. You are very pre. I have gotten. I have gotten. I have got. I have secured whatever. I have gotten Stu. Stu yeah, is here. Stu is here. And Bruce Hopefully is going to interview Stu because I can't stand the guy. I don't honestly. even know why you're letting him in the house. I, I don't know. But I'm going to leave the room. And Bruce, you can interview this, this moron. Chicago Gaming Company with that help wanted uh, applicant must possess the ability to manage their time, which I can do, a positive attitude, and good communication skills. Mm. I got that. I nailed this. Positive attitude? No. Oh, communication yeah. skills? I mean, I still don't know what you say. What? We've been doing 200 episodes. What the fuck? Exactly. No, I would like that if I was closer or if it was, you know, remote, I'd be in on all that, you know. You're going to remotely fix the machines. Yeah, because it's not a technician. I think they need somebody that is actually phone support. Oh, oh. That's what I think this is. Okay. This is a phone support thing. This isn't, they're not going into your house going, hi, I'm your pinball repair guy. I'm your Maytag. I'm going to have a hat on with the Chicago <laughs> Gaming Company logo Are you on. You're going to walk in like that. Hi, I'm your pinball repair guy. <laughs> yeah. No, you're the phone support guy. You're the guy who they're going to be calling and saying, hey, how do I fix this? I got this problem in my game. Oh, two of the solenoids don't work. Okay, here's what we do. What do you have in front of you? Do you have a voltmeter? Do you have this? You know, and we go from there. You know, I think you can always tell anyone who's in any kind of support because when they do the customer voice, they always make them sound like an idiot. You ever notice that? I, I feel I got that from my IT background. Uh, yeah, it's always like, <laughs> then the customer said, oh, but circuits are working. And then it's, it's always the doofus voice for the, yes, the customers. I've been in a lot of customer service, and I'm glad I'm not in it now. Because, you know, the customer thinks that the tech thinks they're smarter than they are. Mm-hmm. And, and they are. They totally think that. Totally are. Totally. Totally. Also, Scott Denisi was named creative director for next multimorphic P3 pinball game. So does that mean mm-hmm. designer? Designer. I assume that's what that means. Yeah. If it means uh, another uh, sound and light package, I'm all for it. Let's say I don't know if it's going to be a licensed game or not licensed game or what it is, but who knows? Who we knows? Don't know. We don't know. Will they continue down the path of a licensed game because of the the success of, of they Weird should. Al? Yes, <laughs> that that proved what you know. Think about it. You've sold more units and you have a year backlog. Yep. Congratulations. This is a good thing. It is a good thing. I still have not played Weird Al. What? I haven't really. I don't go to shows. No one has one here local. Except oh. a guy out in Buffalo. Does anyone have a Bond 60th anniversary? No, not that I know of. Damn it. I, I counted on you guys. Did you buy one? No. I'm not paying $20,000 for that. You paid $200 in for the uh, Project Pinball. Oh, uh, yeah, that I did, but I didn't win. And neither did I. But we helped the kids. Yes. It's all about helping the kids. We saved the children. Save the children. Ah, <laughs> uh, what else do I got on here? Uh Carl D'Angelo of IE Pinball announced Pin Clash is returning. Yes, it is. It's a tournament where it's it's all streamed. Yes. That doesn't make any sense. It all the contestants are all streaming. <laughs> uh, <laughs> it's gonna be on Godzilla this time. Godzilla, dun, 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 Godzilla, dun, 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 Godzilla. So the way it works is there's a quali- qualifying period, which is between February 17th and uh, April 2nd. 
Mm-hmm. And there's all these rules and stuff. You can check it out at pinclashtourney.com. I think that the initial qualification challenge is, what is it? Highest carnage bonus. Yeah. And one ball. Yes. So you got to put your game on one ball, Bruce. Yeah, I love my one ball. One ball man, yes. Yes. There's going to be all kinds of people figuring out different ways to get that to oh, ridiculous levels. Yeah. yeah. And yeah, I have zero chance. I have zero chance. Too. Not even going to try on that one. Plus it. And then if you do qualify, you get to pay the $50 fee. So the three to four people who actually have a chance of winning it can get your money. <laughs> yes, exactly. Give away my money. Here, take my money. Well, Zach was second one year. Uh, I mean, you could have a situation where there's an upset, but it's it's yeah. going to be one of three or four people. Yeah, it's probably going to be Escher. I would assume Escher left yeah, will win. Yeah, because he's the greatest Godzilla player ever and stuff. It's just like we said, Raymond. You would never want to play Raymond Davidson on Simpsons Pinball Super- Party. Yeah. You yeah. don't want to play Escher on Godzilla. Yeah, maybe his internet will go down that day. There you go. You know, <laughs> that is one I never thought of that. See, you just do a DDoS attack against him. There you go, and take There's out blocks. his internet. It's like, yeah. sorry, man, you. Guess you can't play. Well, we we had Escher. Uh, let's try if we can get him back. Oh, I got I lost everything. Well, we have to kind of call you. To if the I spot remember, first. he did have shitty internet at one time, didn't he? Did. he? Didn't he, he did. have like satellite internet or something? Yes. Yeah, you take that shit out, put a jammer yeah. on there. I don't know. Well, that's where we get the balloon from China. The balloon, yes. <laughs> we float. That's what it was there for. It was actually floating over Colorado, jamming the signal. Yes, there you go. <laughs> I've solved the mystery. We, we yes, we've. We've tied it to current events. <laughs> uh, but guess what? There's a piece of news you don't know about Pink Clash. Uh, that the finals are going to be May 13th at 3 p.m. Eastern? Nope. Oh. RPC is sponsoring part of the Pink Clash. Wow. What, is, what does that mean? We actually donate our logo and money for the prizes towards the winner. Wow. So we actually are advertising on Pink Clash. Zach set that all up. Good job, RPC. Yes, see? So we will be world famous. World famous? Yes. Let's see. What else do I have here? Oh, I had a funny. A funny that just happened this morning. Oh, you know what it is because I sent a picture. Yes, and I already saved. I already put that on the Slam Tail podcast. Oh, there there was a post in uh, the Pinball Enthusiasts group in Facebook, mm-hmm. and it's it said, uh, "Who has Star Wars Pro and your thoughts on it?" Seems pretty good to me. And of course, Zach or Zach answers. Once you learn the rules, it's one of the funnest modern games, which I thumbs up, of course, because he's mm-hmm. correct. No, and then Bruce posted, "It's like stepping in dog crap. Some people just want to be done with it." Some just say, oh, well. <laughs> <sighs> that is the truth. <laughs> so I, I put that picture up on our Facebook page, and I said, this pretty much sums it up. Good thing you didn't ask about Stranger Things or something. Oh, good. You should ask Stu about Stranger Things. I'd be cur- I'm curious about what he thinks. I hear there's people demanding to make another run. It's kind of like, where were you people before? Exactly. It's, like- it's just like pirates. Where were you people before? Sorry, it doesn't no, work I that way. Exactly, I knew exactly where I was, not buying that game. Ah. All right. Uh, and then I, I, I have one more note. I have uh, poor Xenon. Oh, yes. <laughs> what does that mean, Bruce? Please explain. Uh, that is a picture from a upstate New York 
You can say a name. What is it? Binghamton? It's... Binghamton. Uh, Robot City. Robot City. Yep. Yeah, it was on Facebook. It had a picture of a, of a Xenon. Mm, with uh, repair, that's pretty unique. Yeah, I, it, I would assume that the base plate for the flipper was kind of falling off. Yeah. Because the, the screw holes are probably blown out. So their solution was quite interesting. Yeah, you fix it by going through the whole play field completely and leave it sticking up the screw through the play field to block the ball. And you put this out on the floor for all to see. Yeah. So basically, they put screws that were way too big and way too long mm-hmm. to hold the base plate on and went through the play field. So far that the ball would actually hang up on it. Yes. And not once. Twice. Yeah, two of them. Yeah. <sighs> Poor Xenon. I mean, it's a shitty game, but still, it deserves but, better. But, where, where do you operate like that? Like, hey, this screw went through. Uh, what do we do about this, Bob? Uh, well, boss, boss will never notice. Just put it on the floor. I wonder if they have more than 49 games. I don't know. I don't think so. <laughs> Working games? No. Oh. <laughs> Since uh, we're talking about poor repairs, have you had any good repairs? Zach actually had a fun one. Uh, Zach pulled his uh, countdown out of his work. It, it was sitting at co- at his work for two years. No, longer than that. Longer than that. But I, I, mean, th- uh, I think it was all through COVID that thing was there. Yeah. And so he finally gets it back, and they're like, oh, we had to turn it off because it was smoking. Okay, great. So we we brought it in. We looking like, okay, what could have burned? What could have burned? And I've actually seen the worst coil ever. It actually like accordioned out when I took it apart. Slinky. I was like, wow. It, it was it was so bad it actually melted the sleeve onto the uh, metal rod, you know, the throw rod. And I'm like, what the fuck? How am I going to get – I'm actually grinding the plastic off the sleeve, off the metal. And then – The plunger, Bruce? The plunger. That, okay. And then I uh, – then Zach takes off the transistor, and the transistor got so hot, it actually started warping and damaging the wood on the playfield underneath. And the weird thing is about this, you would think you have four drop target banks. I wouldn't think. You definitely have four drop target banks in a countdown. How many do you think is on one fuse? All four. No. Oh. Three. Three. And one is on one. Uh, one is on one. That seems very non-Gottlieb. Exactly. So what happened was, I guarantee the game locked up all four drop targets. The three. All four all banks. At the same time. Yeah. Blew the fuse. Mm-hmm. The other one said, hey, I can keep on going. And just smoke that coil. <laughs> Poor countdown. But it's back up and running. We're just doing a couple repairs to it, and then hopefully it'll be on the floor at RPC for you to enjoy. Will that get you to 50 games? No, because Zach is just an a-hole. Oh. Where is RPC again? What is that? That is the Rochester Pinball Collective, located in 2965 East Rochester, New York, on West Commercial Street. Sweet, 2965. That took a while. I mean, you did the intro better than that. I know. Well, you know, that took it all out of me. (laughs) I blew my wad. (laughs) Oh, okay. Uh, Let's see. Repairs. Mine's simple. 
Yeah. So I'm at league this th- last Thursday. Okay. And I'm, it's at the end. I'm actually playing makeup games now because of a week I missed. So, so I'm what, on. Where were you at? Where was the league at? The local. Where? The local. Yes, I know you were local to play at a pinball machine, but where was it? Rotterdam Mall. Okay, great. A place called The Local. So I, um, the final, what was I saying? So we're playing Toy Story. Ugh. Hey. Ugh. I have to say, man, I got to stop making opinions about a game too early. I got to wait. Because I'm, I'm digging the Toy Story. As long as I don't have to hear the music, I'm good. So you put headphones on, you're good to go. This one, it's loud enough where you can almost make out the callouts and you can't really hear the music at all. It's perfect. Mm, okay. Beautiful. And the flippers, they, they must have jacked the flipper power up on this thing because the Duke Kaboom ramp, you can make every time. No problem. Ooh, that's good. So that's good. The slings are still shot. Pathetic, but whatever. So we're playing. It's, it's head-to-head. Mm-hmm. And it's ball one. My opponent's first. And he's having a good ball. It gets to a certain point, though, and the flipper starts to bind. It's starting to stick up. He locks the ball, and the flipper's like halfway up now. Mm. So we, we wave the tech over, and I'm looking at it. It's like, yeah, it looks like, looks like it's just binding. should be a simple, you know, one-minute fix. fix. Easy fix. Well, it took like 10 minutes to get a tech there, and he didn't want to go to another game. Because he had, he's doing uh, so well. He, he's yeah, did, yeah what, I don't know. He had 600K or something at that point. That's like that's like twenty billion on uh, Attack from Mars. So yeah, I'm pitching in. I'm trying to help out like a tournament situation. Like we're going to play this. Like you know, they wouldn't stop this, and it did have the tech over there. And I, well, tech finally comes over, open the thing up. I mean, I grab the flipper bat, and it's like it's not binding because I can pull it up and down. It's something else. Look inside. Coil stop fell off. Mm. So take the coin box out. And I managed, I found both of the Allen screws and the, and the uh, lock, lock washers. So then he had to f- go find the right Allen key, the right size, put the thing back on. You know, and I'm, I'm basically helping the guy do it because he's not used to. Gee, Mr. Thanks. So, yeah. So I, my opponent, like, get ready. As soon as we close the coin door, it's going to shoot this ball out. You know, boom, shoots the ball out. And he plays a little bit longer. He didn't drain immediately. Oh, okay. That, that's that's good. always good. When you have to wait 15 minutes, you know, and, and then you don't drain immediately. That's good. But then I, I did a bad thing. I played my ball one and doubled his score. Oh. Yeah, I'm sorry. Oh. I didn't have to play ball three. I, I won. I do have another repair item. Oh, what's that, Bruce? At the beautiful RPC. The beautiful RPC? What what you have to do, Bruce? We have a game called Fathom... Revisited. You know, new, revisited. Yeah. Uh-huh. Uh, yeah. All three flippers failed at once. You guys really should have waited and not got one of the first like five ever made. No, no, no. It's nothing. Nothing you control with the electronics controls of the flippers. It's the bats. Oh, don't they have the bad bats? Yes. All three failed on the same day. Wow. That, at least they're consistent. Actually, that's very consistent. They must have been made at the exact same time. Oh, my They've all God. They've the same amount of flips. Well, actually, no, left, right flip. How does that work? Exactly. That is amazing. That goes yes. against laws of averages and stuff. So I, I go over, I look up, I'm like, why is the flipper so much up in the air? Oh, they probably loosened up, and I'm moving it going, yeah, they're loose. I didn't see there was a crack on top of each flipper. Yeah, isn't it? You had the same issue with Kelts. 
Yes. They crack around where the metal goes into the yep. plastic and then they're done. They're done. So luckily I had three Bally backups. It's just different coloring now. Three Bally bats. Yep. And all up and running again. But oh my God. I was like, what the fuck? So when we had our, our goodie bag of stuff for each manufacturer that fails. That's another For Haggis, you're going to get a bag full of flipper bats. Yes. Okay. Three flipper bats, two coil stops, and a computer for your alien. (laughs) (laughs) That's true. (laughs) Right or wrong. (laughs) Oh, why couldn't they? I want an alien. Why couldn't it be someone else? Damn it. Hey, we make a good. You don't worry about this. You Italian. We take care of you, brother. <laughs> oh, because all Italians take care of each other? Is exactly. That, is that how it's it like goes? like mafia, you know? <laughs> all right. All right. Uh, all right. Let's get the ball bag out of the way. Oh, no. It's going to be. Hold on. Let me get my coffee all set and relax and put my feet then we can do. Here. Then we'll finish with our two interviews. We'll do Stu. Yes. And then Mark Panaccio of Stern Pinball. And then we'll come back for a little last part. Yeah, you better get your coffee. The showcase showdown. Okay, what one is that? What? That's a showcase showdown? No, they're leaving the wheel. No, isn't that Family Feud? Let's see. We'll get the other ones out of the way first. Yes. Escher's dad emailed us. Hey! Better known as Adam. Hi, Adam. Actually, I don't know if he wanted this. But basically, he was saying, he he remembers telling me that I should play in the in-disc Classics match play. See? So he is is the reason. Why Ron is a winner. Ron is a winner. So thank you, Adam. And he listens to the podcast. That's always nice. Love to it. Say. Love it. I wonder if he just goes through. Is there any tournament stuff? Any turn? He's like the opposite of <laughs> yeah, most people. Like, no, nope, not nope, <gasps> tournament. Not. Oh, there we go. Uh, you guys really need to increase your amount of tournament talk. I only had twenty minutes the last one. Terrible. Yes. Terrible. <laughs> Fuck you. <laughs> Goddamn cocksucker. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, that's a typical episode. Yeah, it was yeah, it was really hard getting that compilation for the uh, Twippies to not have something with swearing in it. I know. It's really- Actually, the one I set did have an F-bomb in it, but I censored it out. Shit, though. <laughs> All right. Uh, this is from Justin. Hi, Justin. Our guest from episode 190. He says, hi, boys. Congrats on 200 episodes of Great Pinball Tom Fuckery. Oh, my. Yes. Wow, <laughs> even the ball bag has F-bomb. <laughs> I'm sure you've heard, but Mike Judge and Greg Daniels is bringing back King of the Hill on Hulu. Yes. I'll tell you what, boy, it's about goddamn time. Now is the time for King of the Hill pinball, I'll tell you what. Well, if they ain't doing Beavis and Butthead, they sure as hell ain't doing King of the Hill, because that's even even more or less mainstream, whatever you want to call it. Yes. Oh, man, I'll tell you what, man, why can't we get a goddamn pinball game, man? We've got broken call stops, man. (laughs) <laughs> uh let's see thanks for all the great content over the years and here's to 200 more episodes cheers thank you sir uh he says i'm still waiting on my godzilla premium from project pinball you win ron see <sighs> yeah but his is free yeah true but he's still waiting that's true the waiting is the hardest part <laughs> <laughs> uh thank you tyler for um your suggestions You'll be happy to know that we use them. 
He was he was uh, one of the one of our listeners who sent um, timestamps for like. Oh tri- yes, for, thank use you. Use this. Use this. Well, we we use the Aussie one. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yes. <laughs> uh, let's see. Then we have okay, Glenn. Glenn. Uh, Glenn Watcher, one of our former guests, he sent us a song for episode 200. And we both have not heard it. I purposely have not listened to it yet. We were saving it for when we're actually on the air. So we're going to listen to this right now. Live. Live. Here we go. Motherfucking grand roll slam tilt Fuck yeah Bruce is in every always motherfucking way yeah Gotta leave now or your games are puke Classic stands price through the roof Because of slam tilt Fuck yeah So yield the floor and rest your case now Slam tilt Fuck yeah The worship at the altar of Steve Kirk's post yeah It's a show the says we're slow George Takai, Tim Balls, Bruce Isms, Tournament Talk, Car Holler, Sheena, Xanadu, Cash Grab, ELO, Ball Break, Would You Buy It, Game You Love, Game You Hate, Tournament Talk, Pinball Princess, Zach, Dragon Fist, RPC, Petretti, Robert Mueller, Cash Grab, Say goodbye, Bruce. Oh my fucking god, that is wow. fucking awesome. Wow. Wow. Holy fucker LaRue. Fuck now, wait, yeah. Fuck yeah, first. Second, that is the new theme song. Whatever you have planned for 200 and future Ron, that is the new intro song. Yeah, but the problem is there's there's vocals, and then I have to talk over the vocals. That that doesn't work that way, Bruce. But there's a little break in between when he does the, you know. But I mean, like that's the first twenty. Oh, it's fucking awesome, Glenn! Holy fuck, Larue! <laughs> fuck yeah! <laughs> <laughs> that's my new thing. <laughs> fuck yeah! <laughs> uh, I promise I'll use I'll use it somewhere, Bruce. Don't worry. Oh my fucking god! I I wait a second. Hold on. I think I got a little accident in my pants right there. Oh. <laughs> oh yeah, <laughs> Fuck yeah! Fuck yeah! <laughs> and, it, and it was perfect for you too, because it's just, oh my god! Wow! I uh, am blown a fuck away. I think the episode's over. I mean, nothing I, can, can. What can follow that? I, I don't know. <laughs> Thanks for uh, two hundred episodes, everybody. That's it. The first guest is screwed now because we've just blown our wad. Oh, that'll be Stu. Good. Yeah. Oh shit. Glenn, that was awesome, and it will Thank be you, Glenn. used. It'll be used maybe at the end of every show. It's after. Oh my my, fuck yeah! Yeah, I, yeah. I'll I'll think of something, Bruce. Yeah, I'll think of something. A little bit of every time, like you cut it up a little bit. Oh, you mean to edit differently every time, so I have even more work. 
Yes, perfect. Sounds they, yeah, just like a, a, I'm yeah. thinking of you people. Yeah, screw Ron and his freedom and his. He wants <laughs> and his to sanity. buy. He wants to buy my. Yeah, he wants to buy my countdown. This is one of the. Oh, the that's oh, to buy the countdown. You yeah. have to do this. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> See. Uh, uh, yeah. <laughs> so wait a minute. To even buy the countdown, I need to do stuff. So it's like the Stern thing for Batman '66, where you had to make a video on how much yes. you wanted it, even though you're still going to have to pay fifteen thousand for it. Exactly. Or you, you know, you, uh, <laughs> you just gotta like, you know, like when you do those, the free hat, we have a free hat we're trying to give away on Stern or a free t-shirt. Oh yeah, I want one. I want one. And, and they never tell you who won. So you don't know if anybody won. Do better Stern. Do better. I swear. Yeah. Everyone wants this free. You don't even tell us who won. So we don't even know if anybody won. So guess what? You can, you keep in recycling the same fucking things. Fuck yeah. You know what I think of when I think of the Slam Till podcast? I think of th- four things. Well, one of the things I think of is really long letters from the Pinball Princess. Uh, that's one of them. That's one of them. Uh, oh, well, before I read it, what are the other three things? You and me, which is one thing because we are the Slam Till podcast. We are the Slam Till podcast, yes. Zach. Our third host. Yep. And Steve, fun with bonus because we always say his name every, every show. We do. We do. Hi, Steve. Hi, Steve. <laughs> we also, all of our fans, We, uh, I think of whenever I do this, you know, I think about it. I know you have Patreon with your other show, Ron. We do? Well, yes, and you know. My other show, Silverball Chronicles, which can be listened to on the Pinball Network. Yes. Thank you. Be. Very good. Segway. Very. I, I almost missed it. I almost I missed know. it. See, I'm the one that's, hey, David Dennis, who's looking out for you this time? Yeah. Bruce. Yep, it's Bruce. Not Ron, uh, but the way I look at it is Patreon. I'm not a fan of it. You know, some people are making probably three thousand dollars on this thing. I don't think anyone's making three thousand uh, dollars. Supposedly, someone is. Oh, not us. Not us. And I don't want to. I want this to be free for everyone. And guess what? We may not have as many people as we could or should or want to, but I love what we do, and I do it for us. Plus, Bruce doesn't want to take anyone's money when he bashes the shit out of everyone. Fuck yeah. There you go. <laughs> so from the Pinball Princess, here we go. Ready? Hello, Steph. Come oh, on. Boy. Got, on. A, got a sip of water here. Yes. Uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to mute because I'm going to have my coffee probably done by the time we're ready for this. Oh, she uses lots of fancy words, too. Oh, this is going to – I might need some help, Bruce, and pronouncing this. Uh, well, actually, forget it. You're not going to help me. Um, oh, what do you mean I'm not going to help you? I'm going to fucking help you. You just make up words. Dear Ron and Bruce, despite managing to keep relatively up-to-date on the podcast as of late, very nice, it appears that I have been wholly remiss in penning any sort of contribution for quite some time. My degenerate correspondence habits are meeting a swift end in the new year, however. I am writing to make amends for my lack of letters and to forge in writing a promise, or depending on perspective, a threat to transmit more letters to the legendary ball bag. I know, I love Steph. But uh, maybe we need a new degenerate reward. What, most degenerate email writer? Yes. Yes, that has to be Steph. Especially with terms like, verily, verily, I don't know what that, verily, my prose is purpling by the moment. That sounds weird. (laughs) (laughs) I sound like I should have some kind of... British I don't want accent. something turning purple. Oh. 
Though the regularity of writing may have degenerated in 2022, the ability to use sesquip verbiage and constructions, both as a natural consequence of my lexicon and as a deliberate hyperbole of the same. What the hell does that mean? Oh, translation. Look, I can still ham up my speech so well, it's like I'm sending a pile of bacon. Bacon. Fucking love bacon. Who doesn't? It would appear that, in refraining from sending letters to the ball bag, I have managed to instead amiss... Oh, a mass. A few notes taken during listening to the podcast that I subsequently buried deep within my note-taking apps. Beneath inane musings on dream themes and drafts for social media posts about pinball, in addition to a cornucopia of non-pinball, and therefore completely inconsequential in the eyes of this podcast, content, there were a few notes taken during Slam Tilt episodes. Okay, you ready for them? <gasps> yeah, no, take a breath, hold on. Breathe oh, a little bit. You sorry. Know. Now, if you do want to ever meet Steph, you can meet her at the Rochester Pinball Collective because she actually works there some days. And she runs the uh, Bells and Chimes for Rochester, New York, which is also at the Rochester Pinball Collective. Continue. One specifically was a notation made while on a pinball-related trip. I occasionally have the unique experience of listening to the Slam Tilt podcast while in the presence of the third host, Isaac. Hi, Zach. This is something that is, quite honestly, an unparalleled listening situation. Not only do confusing tech questions receive a ready answer, but the experience of hearing the live reaction of a regular podcast voice creates a sort of parallel dynamic. Oh my god, two Zachs in one, one area? The episode that could have been. Oh, I know. It is a sort of experience that, with a regular recording, became its own entity. The Slam Tilt Podcast Reaction Podcast. Maybe we should we should record her on this episode. We have reactions. That's a big thing, isn't it? Reaction videos. Oh, it videos. is. Oh, yeah. Like the videos. Like, oh, look, oh, oh my oh. god! <laughs> like when everyone hears Glenn's song, that's gonna be a good reaction. Fuck video. yeah! Fuck yeah! Alas, that world would require audio recording as well as editing to account for interruption and tangents. It would also require consistently listening in a group setting. Contrary to the occasional delight of the augmented podcast listening experience. In this particular instance, the subject was some manner of repair. Bruce was describing fixing the display on a Gottlieb ADA, possibly on the games, which I learned was made by Milestar. Is it Milestar or Milstar? Uh, Mile. I, I, th- I don't know. I like Milestar, not- but Milestar. Milestar Electronics Incorporated, because per Bruce Gottlieb was a licensing nightmare in the 80s. Which it was. Still is. While discussing this repair, Bruce mentions something to the effect of, you shouldn't unplug displays while the machine is powered on on Gottlieb ADAs, like you can with Bally Williams, which immediately prompted Zach to retort in a fairly exasperated Zach volume, Bruce, you literally blew the boards on hot dogging doing that. I did not blow the boards on hot dogging. I just blew the fuse. That's all. Not a board. Fuse. This raises the question of whether changing displays with the power on is a good idea in any event it isn't. Or if only a pinball degenerate would risk such a thing. Yeah, Bruce would. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I would just turn it off. You know, they, they have labels right over the displays that say high voltage, don't yep. touch. Yep. Just Bruce rips those right off. On a second such occasion of listening with the third host, I recorded another note, which was, once again, a technical correction. Here Bruce mentioned a WPC setting that turns the voltage down on GI after two minutes. Zach contested that this is incorrect. 
It PWMs them. What the fuck's that? That does mean something. We should know what that means if we're supposed to be tech. My notes, after stating I don't know what that means, but that's what Zach said, tried to explain the concept of, oh, pulse with modulation. That is, again, pulse with modulation. Ah. Uh, yes, the basics of pulse with modulation for, for an Arduino. And that the thing is, it does cut the voltage back. Oh, God. yeah. I won't get it, are you? Oh, I'm going to get argue with Zach with this He's one. He's going to say it doesn't cut the voltage. It just does this other thing in my Bobby. Basically, it dims the lights, folks. It's, it, That's it, all it, you need to know. I know what it's doing, what he's saying it's doing, but it, it does. Please feel free to discuss this in greater detail. We just did. Then my incredibly detailed and eloquently explanation eloquently explained, which stated that PWM pulses the lights instead of one big ZZZZZ. I don't know how long I've natted on for, but it feels like quite a while. Perhaps I'm simply out of practice. Or perhaps Ron's voice is really half gone at this point. Is it? I don't know. It sounds pretty good. Yeah. I will end with one final note. On episode 197, you all derided the art of letter writing as some sort of outmoded 1920s technology. <laughs> First of all, the venerable practice of letter writing far precedes the 1900s. Second of all, I have a ridiculous surplus of stationery, and I'm not above rambling about pinball on it. I'm tempted to write a physical snail mail slam tilt letter, just to prove a point that only I care about. Still emailing for now, player 31915. Wow. Thank you, Pinball Princess. Thank you. Thank you very much. All right. I think it's time before our real interview. God. We're going to have to inter- – well, you know, I kept promising that I would get this doofus on. Yeah. So I am going to step away. No, actually, I'm going to step away. i got to get a drink of water. But I'm going <laughs> to step away. And I don't even know what to ask this douchebag. He'll just probably talk all well, over. Well, like pretend he's a regular guest, you know, yes. games you like, games you hate. How did you get in this hobby? Yeah, ask him. Ask you hate Stranger Things. Ask him about Stranger Things. See what okay. he thinks about. It. But okay. yeah, all right. Hello there. Hello there. Hi, my name is Bruce Nightingale. Yes, I know who you are. Ron has told me about this stupid show. Okay, I've been on it before. Remember? I don't remember that. I called in. I still don't remember that. It must have been unforgettable. Uh. I- it, wait a minute. It was on for... Yes, he told me about this. Like you do the uh, brucisms. Shit that makes no sense. Yes. Unforgettable. That's what Stu is. That is true. I am quite unforgettable. I am the 1978 Playboy Launch Party champion. And yes. The greatest pinball player alive. Well, I'm going to ask you a couple questions on this very informal interview. So speak as you'd like. And I will do the same. Yes. Okay. Uh, how did you get into pinball, Stu? Well, as you may or may not know, I am from Transylvania, Romania. And we had pinball over there. Thank you, European distributors. But I have been doing this since I was a small child. I was good instantly. Literally the first time I ever played the game, I think I got the grand champion. And pretty much that's it. I've been awesome ever since. Do you remember the first game you ever played? Ah, uh, let's see. Do I remember? I think it was Six Million Dollar Man. Wow, that's a great game. It has six displays. It is a great game, isn't it? Eh, not a huge fan. 
Well, that means you have something in common with our host, other host. Oh, Rob yes. Mallett. He complains all the time how he got screwed on the game. He should have just played better. I agree. I totally agree. So, uh, after you playing your first game and getting into this great hobby, what made you become the player you are today? I just was awesome immediately. I mean, there was really no effort there. Like, who, who did you beat in your prime time? I beat most of the best players of the era until I was banned by the IFPA. Why would you be banned? And let's talk about this banning. I keep on hearing about this, and I really they need to know. They were scared the... of me. I mean, I would come to a tournament, and no one wanted to be there because they, were just, they knew they were going to lose. So it was hurting the attendance of tournaments. So they just banned me from IFPA. Wow. Yes, I, I do not get along with the Sharps. Oh, wow. I did not know that. Oh, yes. Well, how could I? They banned me from their stupid little thing. You sound a little bitter, though. No comment. Okay. Okay. So your claim to fame, one of your claims to fame. I have many. Is the 1978 launch party. Can you tell us a little about how you first got into the contest and how you won it? Uh, It was at the Playboy Mansion in Chicago. Uh, you know, back when pinball was actually a, a seem is a much cooler thing than it is now. Typically, like, it was like a high score type tournament. That's how they were doing it then. I had the highest score. That's simple. Did the women all jump you at the end and like go ooh ah? <laughs> there was some action going on. Let's just say that. Yes. Okay. There we go. Ended, you uh, see, at that time, us pinball players were celebrities, unlike now. So Hugh Hefner invited you up to the, you know, the private room, and you hung out, and you drank a little bit with Hugh. And did you get a free pinball machine from this? Of course, I did. I've won, tournaments, is... I've won tournaments where I've won a car. A car? That's what did why, you, that's why did you I, win a Yugo? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> that's why I don't understand the big deal. You know, they're playing for peanuts now. I mean, we were on ABC's Wild World of Sports back in the day. Now it's wow. like, I mean, what, what, what do you want? The Ocho? Like some pre-tape <laughs> thing where they have, uh, it's just, where, where's the personalities? Where is the, the uh, I just. I remember, now, okay, I remember this now. I remember seeing you on Wild World of Sports with the agony of defeat. I, I no comment. <laughs> Ron, he warned me about you. But it's like we were on Wide World of Sports. Everyone had, like, um, pinball jackets on and stuff. It was, wow. like, a cool thing. Who were your sponsors back then? Like, Gold, Old Spice and Brute by Fabergé, was it? Or it was might it... have been Budweiser, I think. Budweiser, ah. You know, you know, actual sponsors, not like what, – what, what are the pinball sponsors now? They're just, like, pinball parts companies and yes. what's your RPC thing? Like, that's a sponsor. No, we, we got real sponsors back wow. in the day. Wow. Budweiser. See, that's what pinball needs. If they would ever unban me, I could actually start winning these tournaments again. You would see, you would actually get some people watching Twitch. I mean, what, what was it? The in-disc thing that just happened, like 15,000 people. They would have 30,000 people watching if I had been on the stream. Maybe here's what you do. I have an idea for you. You put a wig on and you change your voice a little bit and you can get into pin clash. Why would I wear a wig? My hair is incredible. Uh, but no, they'll notice you from your hair. Maybe you maybe get a short haircut. You get a really short haircut. Let me tell you another issue with pinball today. See, 
to me, the best era pinball, the 90s Williams games. That, that is the pinnacle right there. And now it's just like the games are just too freaking complicated. No one understands what the hell they're doing. So uh, do you like the new games that are coming out, like from Stern? Do you like the new Bond? Well, why don't you give me your little uh, game oh, you like, game you, you game hate? Game you like? Okay, so I'm going to say game you like and game you hate. Read them off to us. So the game I like, of course, is Jokers, my favorite game. It's in stereo, you know. Yes, yes it is. I love me some Jokers. Played a ton of that back in the day. Is that the only game they had in Transylvania in the 80s? I was here by then. Oh. You know, obviously, I was here. You know, I said I was in Chicago for the Playboy launch party. That was That's in the sorry. early 80s, though. Maybe you got that deported. That was in 1978, you fool. Okay, did you get deported? I did not get deported. <laughs> okay. <laughs> you're having some fun with this, aren't you? Me? No, never. Yes. I am a serious interviewer yes, here, sir. Yes, you sound really serious. Very serious. Now, my least favorite game. Let's see. Ah, uh, there's so many. There's so many. I agree. You must have, you must follow me then with that part of it. I like, don't. I, you know, one game I really hate lately. It's a game that Ron has in his basement. Freaking Rush. Rush. Wow. The newest game. Number one. The, one the, the band is like, come on. Really? That's just a geeky band. Who the hell? Uh, no. No. Make a real game. Like at least ACDC. I could see like, okay, I can see that for a band game. Rush. That's, that's, yeah. Then you have all these like brainiac tournament types who do the rules and make them like so complicated you have no idea what you're doing even though ron says it's it's it no ron doesn't know what he's talking about look look at that you have yet they put a mod on that game so you could see the one the insert for that little inner loop thing because you can't even see it so that's the only flaw in that game that an extremely complex rule set it doesn't tell you what to do. You can't read anything on the display. Oh, I agree with you on that one, definitely. I, I mean, just like I said, 90s, Williams games, everything's on the play field. Anyone can understand it. These new games, they're so complicated. I, I, don't, I don't understand. I don't get it. Okay. Well, we got your game you like, game you hate. Would you like to tell us your thoughts on pinball lately? I mean, the tournament scene... They need more personalities like me. I, I just find it boring to watch most of the time. Like I said, we, we need more athletes like me, an actual athlete playing pinball. I mean, when you see them like wiping off the lockdown bar, because I mean, are you sweating? You're playing pinball. If you're sweating playing pinball, you, you have issues. You need to get in better shape or something. Is there anything you like to tell the youth of pinball to try to make them a better player? And it looks like the youth is doing pretty good right now because they're kicking the shit out of all the old people. So maybe they actually have followed some of your uh, speakings. No, they just know all these inane rules that are on these games. It's like it's become more of a like you're going to school or something as opposed to actually playing a game. You know, back in my day, we were celebrities. Like everyone knew who I was. I was Stu McVicker, the 1978 Playboy Launch Party champion. Is there any other tournament you won besides that? Uh, I won the 1988 Jokers Launch Party Championship. Aha, uh -huh, so now we have two claims to fame. I usually don't bring that one up because most people don't know what the hell Jokers is. It's in stereo, you know. It is in stereo, just like the State of the East were before that. Uh, the State of the East games, they, they just ripped off Williams. And they weren't this good. Wow, okay. Except Lethal Weapon 3, I always liked that one. 
Wow, you and Ron are like a lot on some of your games. Yes, are really... some of them. Yes, I don't understand his thing with Rush, but I mean, we both like Lethal Weapon three. I'll give him that. As a Slam Tilt podcast person, I have to ask: What are your thoughts on early Stern pinball machines? Since we love them so much, the uh, yes, I I go for them. You go for them. They're okay. different. They're not the same. Like all the Bally games, they just have the saucer up top and orbit spinners, and they're all the same and boring. No, at least they were different. Okay. Now, I have one more question, and then we'll be done with your valuable time that we've had here today. Yes, my valuable time. If you would like to put your thing out to you know the sharps, and maybe we can get past this troubled waters, what would you like to say to the sharps right now to maybe try to – Get back into the IFPA. Yeah, screw them. <laughs> Your movie sucks. <laughs> Your movie sucks. <laughs> I don't believe any of it. It's all a fallacy. <laughs> okay. Well, thank you, Stu McVickers, the launch party champion for Playboy. And yes, I, I, I will say one more thing. Okay. I hear you don't like Stranger Things. It does suck. I have to agree. It was better when it was AFM. Oh, I totally yeah, agree. Me and Ron don't agree on that one either. Good. I, I, I have more respect for you right now. Yes. Well, this has been Stu McVicker. Yes, you can see me on Ron's channel. I guess it's your channel, Slam Tilt Podcast, whenever I decide to play. Did you notice the other day I, I went on, I had never played Godzilla before, and within four games, I beat his grand champion score. Did you notice that? Well, he sucks at pinball. I thought he was supposedly good. He told me at Indisc he actually did something. He actually won money. He won money. How much money did he win? Almost. Well, back then in Playboy, when it was sold, it was probably fourteen or $1,500. He won $1,800. All right. Not as impressive as when I won a car, but still. I agree. Not bad for him. Did He, he won, of course, right? Uh, no, he got second. Second? What is he, Josh Sharp? No, that's not the way it works. He is no. the first loser. No, he is the first loser. You have to win. Win or it. Wait, now, wait a sec. Maybe I know why you're not in IFPA now. If you didn't win, you just wanted to drop the mic and walk off the stage, right? I don't understand what you just said. Well, like, you know, you get so frustrated. If you can't win and you no, don't No, no, there is no can't. I win. Ah. I just win. That's the way it is. So if you face Keith Elwin. Yes. You mean the guy who finished second twice? Yep. Or Raymond Davidson. The man who can't beat Escher? Or Escher Lefkoff. What would you, you know, how would you, how would you handle these guys playing the pressure? Or is it all on them? Like Escher? I would do something with the lockdown bar because, you know, he sweats a lot. He's always wiping it off, so I, I would do something, slick that up so his hands fall off, or he goes to nudge the machine and falls over. I'm not above doing stuff like that. Oh, so... Oh, that, that was gamesmanship back in the day when I played. You do what okay. you have to to win. So you're kind of like the Black Sox of 1990. I mean, that might be another reason they banned me from IFPA, honestly, but, you know. Oh, so we might have the behind-the-scenes. It's called gamesmanship. It's not cheating. Did you sweep the leg? That's what I want to know. Did you sweep the leg? I may have been known to sweep the leg once or twice, <laughs> <All right>. yes. <laughs> You're not passing my score, I'll tell you that, yes. You did, not, you did not have a problem with that. No, not at all. Okay, now we have the behind the scenes. Yes, all right. I've had enough of you. Okay. 
So until next time, well, I probably will never be on the show again because you guys suck. But <laughs> Slam Tilt Podcast, stream, check it out. I'm on there occasionally whenever I feel like it. Maybe I'll show up and beat whatever high score Ron has on Rush, a game I don't even like. I think you need to play me. Why would I play you? You're never here. Well, when I do come out next time, we'll have to make a date and see who can win the best of seven. That's easy. Four all. Guaranteed. Wow. Okay. Yes. All right. See you later, losers. Until next time. <laughs> I'm not, just kidding. I'm not coming back. Bye. <laughs> uh, uh, where is Ron when I need him? God, I hope he gets back on this thing real I'm fast. Right here, I'm right here. I'm right here. Did I'm right here. Did you push him out of the door or something? Uh, he, yeah, he's gone. Oh, God. That was rough. You owe me one. That was rough. I thought he'd be a better interview. You owe me one. Just complaining about the But we did find player. out why he got banned from the IFPA now. Yeah, he's a freaking cheater. I'm sorry, gamesmanship. Gamesman. Yeah, yeah right. He's a gamer. Yeah, he's a gamer, all right. And screw him, Rush is awesome. And so is Stranger Things. Uh, kind of agree with him on some kind of game fix. Oh, shut up, you. All right. <laughs> so here we go, folks. Ladies and gentlemen, we present to you at Slam Till Podcast our interview with Mark Panacho. And here we are today. We have our episode 200 guest. Dun, dun, dun. From Stern Pinball and formerly Williams Pinball, Mark Panacho. Good morning. Hey, how you doing? How's morning, it going? Good morning. Everything's going great. So we're just going to get started. You're currently with Stern Pinball. That's correct. And currently working on the, uh, and we'll get into this later, the, the James Bond 60th anniversary game. You are correct. But you started in pinball at Williams. A long time ago. It's been 30 years since I did my last game. So I think that's a record between games. Um, we'll see if anybody can beat that. <laughs> yeah, that is. Yeah. I wonder if Harry Williams could have beat that. No, I don't pro- know. Pro- probably around 20 for him. So, yeah, you, you, might, you might have it there. <laughs> there. There's a few people who, who could come out of the woodwork and beat me. We'll see. But I think this might be a record. I think so, too. Well, why don't you tell us, how did you get into this crazy industry of pinball? Let's see. Uh, my family moved to a suburb of Akron, Ohio in 1970. And I remember being really, really young, playing pinball behind the cash registers at the Zare. I don't remember what games they were, but I know they were Gottlieb's because they had that little red credit button on the coin door. And I don't remember if I was double flipping, but let's just say I probably was because I was probably six. I started paying attention to it a little bit later in kind of like the golden age of the EMs with like Space Mission, OXO, other games of that era. And I remember started, that's when I started paying attention to like what the names of the manufacturers were. So I knew Gottlieb, I knew Williams, I knew Bally. I noticed every once in a while, let's see a Chicago coin. And I started noticing the, the games. Then I think I was probably 14, and I got the, the Bobby Claire Natkin and Steve Kirk book all about pinball, which I basically read until the book fell apart. It just disintegrated. All the pages came out. But I learned, okay, pinballs are 101 16th inch, inch diameter. So I looked in the phone book and I found a ball bearing distributor and went there and bought 
bought some pinballs. So I had pinballs. Then I had my mom take me to the operator and I was going to make a game. I went in there. I said, I want to buy some parts to make a game. And the guy's like, no, you can't make a game. Um, but he took me next door and showed me their warehouse where I got to see all the games they were working on and games they pulled out. And that was really cool. Played pinball through college. I had an OXO when I was in college. And then I had a Paragon and a Phoenix when I was in college. When I had an OXO, the tilt relay stopped working one day. And my friends, instead of telling me, they went and got some floor wax and waxed the floor underneath the game. So I come back from class and they're sliding the game back and forth. And I'm like, what the hell are you doing? You can't do this. Then when I got out of college, around 86, I started playing pinball a little bit more. And I remember really, really liking high speed. I would go play high speed every day at, during lunch where I was working. And I remember like trapping the ball and looking up close to the display and going, okay, what's this thing doing? I was looking at the score sweep. I remember looking at Data East games and thinking, okay, these look pretty cool. So I sent a resume to, um, to Williams. I sent a resume to Bally and I tried really hard to send a resume to Data East but I could never get their contact information. I would call the phone book. I would call the, the operator in Chicago. I'd ask for the phone number. She'd give me a number. I'd call it. It'd say it was, the number was disconnected. So I'd, I'm, I don't know what they were connecting me to, but I never got a, never got a, uh, a resume into Data East, but I did get one into Bally and Williams. Never heard from Bally. Williams, I got a call like two days later after I sent the resume. And I talked to one person and I talked to him a couple times and it just never really went anywhere. So about three months later, which would have been about March of 88, I just came to Chicago. I hitched a ride with a friend of mine who was coming to Chicago for an interview. I came to Chicago and I called up this person, went and had lunch with them. And I don't know if you've ever bombed an interview, but I bombed that interview. It's like, They'd ask me a question. I was out to lunch at a, at like a pizza place down the street. They'd ask me a question. I would open my mouth and just nonsense would come out. It was just, it was, I bombed the interview. I knew I bombed the interview. They knew I bombed the interview. And then I called them up a week later and they're like, yeah, you're not the super guy for the job. And I'm thinking, ah, damn. All right. So. Meanwhile, my, I was living with my parents in Ohio and they moved. So I sort of became, I guess, technically homeless, although I wasn't homeless, but I didn't have a place to live. I had all my stuff in storage in Akron and I'm in my car and I'm like thinking, okay, I got to figure out what I'm doing with my life. So I drove back and forth across the country a couple of times, ended up back in Chicago. And I'm like, okay, you know what? I think I'll, I think I'll move to Chicago and I'll give it two years and I'll try to get a job at Williams again. So I went into um, a recruiter and he's like, who have you interviewed with? And I told him Williams. He goes, well, let me give them a call. So I think I had an interview with them the next day. I interviewed with Foots and Ed Sahaki. And that time I didn't blow the interview. I nailed that interview. And I remember the next day I had the job. So I was, I was about as happy as you could be at that point. So a week later, I moved to Chicago and started at Williams. Foots, that's Footson, Footson, Reuter, Footson, Reuter. I never can say his name right. I think, you know, everyone called him Foots. 
His name was Bill. Sometimes I called it Bill. He's a great guy. I loved working with Foots. I loved being around Foots. He was just he was just a great guy to work with. I think it's Foots and Reuter. Um, it is. He programmed, he, he programmed the Joust video game. He programmed so many great games. Yeah, for us, um, probably not familiar with our, our podcast, but we're really into the old classic Stearns. You know, for like uh-huh. the late '70s, early '80s, and he did, and he worked there, and he did a lot of that, a lot of those. I games. think he did Quicksilver, maybe Flight 2000. I think he helped out with that. Yes, he did a couple yeah. of the older Sterns. So I'm starting at Williams. It was like September of '88, and I was just at the time I was in awe of Steve Ritchie, and this was simply because of high speed and F14. I didn't even know that he had done Flash or Firepower or couple other games so it's like it's my second day of work and i'd met almost everybody at that point in time that i was going to meet like larry demar took me under his wing and showed me a bunch of stuff and i met ed boone and foots and barry and i hadn't met steve yet so my second day larry brings me down the end of the hall steve at one point he was working in an office way far away from everybody else they were still juggling the, the Williams and Bally people and trying to figure out, okay, who's trying to fit where. So I go into Steve's office like three, four o'clock um, with Larry and he introduces me to him and Steve's in this back office and he's got this game in a cabinet and the cabinet must've been three feet deep. It was a giant, giant cabinet. There's no way you could ship a game like that. It was huge. And it was called Black Knight's Castle and it was going to be three levels. And I remember meeting Steve, and I'm in awe of Steve. And the first thing Steve says to me is, he goes, I just met you, and already I don't like you. And I'm like, oh, man. Oh, man. And then, and then the next thing he says to me is, let's go to dinner. So it was Steve being Steve. So my, my stomach stopped for like eight seconds there until it said, let's go to dinner, which, of course, I'm going to go to dinner with Steve. Why not? I mean, he was he was my idol at the time, and I'm in pinball. I'm I'm happier than a pig in shit, and you know everything everything is good. So that's when I got to know Steve, and I went to I went to dinner with him, and and he he was he was great, and he helped me out through lots of stuff. So that's how I ended up at Williams. And your first game at Williams? My first game at my my first game at Williams was Earthshaker. Somehow. There was like a scheduling issue, and I got put on Earthshaker within two weeks after I was starting there. So like two weeks after I'm there, all of a sudden, here, you're doing Earthshaker. And I remember the first meeting I went to, we used to have game meetings once a week, and where there's a big conference room, and there's like all the people on the game team are there. Plus, there's like management, there's like Steve Kordak, there's people from sales. And Steve Kordak goes... And who is doing the software on this game? And they're like, um, Mark Panacho. And he goes, and who else? And they're like, no, no, just Mark. And he's, he's like sitting next to me. He goes, oh, I don't know about this. I don't know about this. I think this is a bad idea. I wish we could get Foots and Rooter on this game. And Foots was busy doing you know, lots of other stuff. So that, that was my introduction to Steve Kordak, which... I later got to know Steve really well, and Steve was a great guy. But that was my introduction to Steve Gordick. I'm like, oh, man, this is going to be rough. The grandfather of Williams, almost. <laughs> oh, yeah. And and at the time, he was mostly just a figurehead. But he would come in, and he had a, his office 
he had his, you know, his Grand Prix back glass on the wall and maybe space mission and just going in and, and talking to him. It was just amazing. Some of the stuff that he, he just had been around so much stuff. Yeah. He would have been there about 30 years at that point. So I think he started in 1960. Yeah. At Williams after already had been in the industry since like the thirties. Yeah. Another, another story was with Steve Kordick one time. I don't remember what game it was, but we had just gotten screen play fields back. And we're all in the art department looking at the screen play fields. And they're like, okay, um, let this game build up and let's stick it on test, you know, next week or whatever. And Steve announces in front of everybody, Mark, I've got big problems with the software on this game. I want to talk to you about it. And I don't want this game going on test next week. So I want to talk to you about it now. And I'm like, oh, man, I'm going to have to talk to Steve. And we get out. And we're in the hallway. And he goes, I don't have a damn thing to say about the software. I can just tell you that you, you wanted a little more time. And I'm like, oh, okay, good. All right. All right. And then we ended up testing like a week later and everything was fine. But that was, that was one point Steve did his thing, put his foot down, and bought me a little extra time. Nice. Nice. So, yeah, yeah. I'm looking at Earthshaker. I would have been one of a few months of you starting and you're already lead on, on a game. And it's a Pat Waller game. I, I, at the time, Pat had, I think it just was. Um, he just had Bonsai Run. Bonsai Run. Yeah. So he wasn't the legendary Pat Waller yet. He just had that one crazy game. And this would be his first kind of regular game. Yeah. And that I released Rev 1 of Earthshaker six months to the day after I started at the company. Wow. I'm not sure it was it was worthy of being Rev One, but it was <laughs> definitely called Rev One. So that was I jumped right into the fire when I started at Williams. So you're you could be the first programmer who had to program a shaker motor. Yeah, yeah. Everyone was a little little afraid that it would um, you know, that it, it was bad for the game. It would shake things apart. And, you know, we had it on test. I had, you know, there was a room where I was sitting down and like every minute I would shake the game. And I remember we tested that game. There was this arcade in Rockford, Illinois, which is like an hour or so west of Chicago, hidden away from anybody in the industry. It was, it was a, an arcade. It was an elderly couple that ran it. They were super nice to everybody. They treated their employees like family. But I remember going there on a Saturday for the game on test and just watching the first person played it. And when they locked the ball, it shook the guys like run around. I think he went and he got the, the person who worked there and said, Hey, something's wrong with this game. And yeah, so that was the first game. And then I think data East copied it pretty quickly on, um, was it checkpoint was their first game with a shaker motor and the shaker motor has been in every Stern game since I think. I think the LEs have them in like every game now. Yeah. And you can put a kid in all of them. We sell kits. And let's see. So you also had Earthshaker originally had the moving building that eventually went away. Yeah. I have the game with the moving building. My Earthshaker here has the moving building. I think we made 200 samples with the moving building. Then we had to, we had way too much money in the game. So we had to take the building out. Um, they took a color out of the cabinet. So that's why it went from light blue to dark blue. So the first 200 had the light blue. I have a light blue one. I like the dark blue one better. I thought that was a better looking cabinet. And that was pretty much all we had to had to change on our shaker to get it at a price everybody everybody was happy with. 
and it does extremely well. Say it sells, I'm looking here, 5,257 units, which any company would be happy with in this in this era. Oh, yeah. It was, it was a lot of fun working on it. Like I said, it, it ended up really quick. And I think we won some kind of award at an AMOA show or something like that. And then from there, I went on to Elvira and the Party Monsters. And that was my first experience working with all the people from Bally. And what was what was really nice about working on that game was just how united everybody from Bally. It was still very much Bally Williams, Bally Williams. These were Bally people. These were Williams people. And just everybody who had come over from the Bally company when Williams bought them, um, they were just all united behind the game. It was nice working with Dennis, although he ended up in the hospital. He had a motorcycle accident. He ended up in traction for in the hospital for months. So like Jim Patlett took over the game. Steve Ritchie, of course, was the one who told me that Dennis got in the accident because he was with him. And Steve tells me this story that it's like so long and drawn out about Dennis having this happen to him. I thought Dennis was dead the way Steve was telling me the story. And it was just he got in an accident and broke his leg. But, um, you know, Elvira ended up going to the AMOA show that year. Talk about stress. The game right before Elvira was Transporter the Rescue. Yep. And not the best game. And the sales on that didn't quite meet what they expected. So they sent everybody on the line home. So the half of the company that was making the Williams game was making games. And the half, the other half of the factory was empty. And it's okay. When Mark is done, you guys can come back to work. So every day I'm like 25 now. I'm walking through an empty factory thinking I got to get this game done. Because these people, these people want to come back to work. And eventually I did, and the that one sold great for a Bally game, but it only sold 4,000, which was lower than a Williams game. But at the time, they had just different distribution networks, and at that time, Bally didn't have the greatest reputation for some of their recent games. Then I finally got to work with Steve. I worked on Steve with on Roller Games, which was a TV show that, by the time the game came out, the TV show was no longer a TV show. And Steve... Steve's an interesting person. You've heard a lot of stories about Steve, I'm sure. Steve could be a difficult person to work with. And I have a lot of stories where it involves me not getting along with people. So it can't always be the other person. So I think I can be a difficult person to work with. But we didn't actually fight on that game. We got along really well. I remember like some days coming in and I'd, we'd jump in Steve's van and we'd go to like every game that was on test and it was like, you know, we'd be out in Rockford and we'd be in Indiana on the same day. We'd leave at like nine in the morning and we'd get back at like nine, ten at night. And then we'd do it the next week. And we actually lobbied hard, Steve and I did, to get them to change the theme of that game because there was no more TV show. But that that didn't happen. And I think the game does stand stand on its own. Like a lot of people play the game, don't even realize it was a TV show. And after, after Roller Games, I was going to work with Steve again. The plan was for me to work with Steve again. But it was, we, you know, we didn't fight at all during the game, but somehow we got into a fight after the game. And it just started, I think, I, I think I was probably emotionally 26 at the time. And Steve was probably emotionally 26 at the time. 
even though Steve was, Steve was probably 40, 41, we just started yelling at each other and it just escalated more and more. And it was a fight we were going to get over with and we were going to be fine. But somehow I ended up blurting out, I'm not working on this game. And he's like, yes, you are. And, no, I'm not working on the game. So he's we got the Whitewood in the doorway to my office and we're screaming at each other and he's pushing it in the door and I'm pushing it out of the door. And he's like, you are working on this game. I'm like, I am not working on this game. And we pushing it back in the door. Finally, he gave up and it didn't come in the door. And then I go to, I, you know, there's, there's steam coming out of my ears. My face is probably bright red. And I'm in my, I'm in my boss's boss's office going, I'm not working with Steve again. And I ended up not, Dwight ended up doing that next game, which became Terminator 2, did very well for Dwight. Uh, and Steve and I became friends again. I think Steve is a great guy. I, uh, I, you know, I, I loved working with him. I talked to him at every show, but it was just, it was just, I think, a bad day for both of us. And it escalated into yet another crazy event that happened with Steve and somebody else. And yet another crazy event that happened with me and somebody else. So from there, I ended up doing Hurricane. We won't talk about Hurricane. Um <laughs> I was going to bring up roller games with the rock, rock, roller games. We, we love roller games and they changed it. So you didn't have the rock, rock, roller games anymore for the European distributors. Oh, you know what? The, we had the music from the game hmm? and it was in the, the, the music from the TV show was in the game and our German distributor and the German distributor bought like 40% of everything we made at the time. So if they said, do this, don't do this. That's what you did. So the German distributor Hans came in, he listened to it, and he goes, I don't like the music, I'm not buying this game. Nope. So Dan, in a in a late attempt, wrote a really great tune, and that's what ended up in roller games. Rock, 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 rock and roller, roller games. Roller games. Rock, rock, rock. Yeah, I, I had a roller games for years and years, and I know talk to Steve at shows. He never wants to talk about roller games. You know, you know, we, a lot of games had names that were somewhat derogatory that you would just use to be derogatory or just because they were, they were what you call them. And Steve and I always called roller games, roller pile. Roller pile. <laughs> Is it cause yeah, high speed was like high cost. So roller, <laughs> yeah. 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 So roller games is roller pile. I got, I've never heard that. Nice. I think the game fire People used to call it gravy, and I mm. think it was from a dog food commercial, gravy train <laughs> gravy or something train. Like had Dogs dressed as firemen, and <laughs> somehow, somehow that became gravy. Um, there were a couple other games that just got, oh, Harley Davidson was the old, the, the Bally Harley Davidson was hardly any fun. Um, <laughs> That's true. <laughs> So not every game got a name like that, but Roller Games was definitely Roller Pile. Roller Pile. Yeah, Roller Pile. The thing is, I, I always loved that game. It had, well, it also, it also had the, what, the, it had a five bank, the drop, it was supposed to be drop targets. The, I think the, the, the first, I don't remember if it was the, the sample run had five bank or if we did the 200 with the five bank. I think it might have been just the sample run with the five bank. And that was, the, that was way too much money. So we had to do cost cutting on that game. We took out the five bank. We took out, 
like a couple switches that were like backup switches for the kickback and stuff like that. And then we took all the flash lamps yeah. out of the yeah. um, out of the back box. Yeah, through the run. So it depended on when you got the game, how much you had, because they cut it over time. Right, right. And then that's when System 11B became System 11C. Yep. Because to cut the cost, we took all the sound hardware off the motherboard that was now being done on the soundboard. So that's how B became C, because we're like, well, don't stick this on the board. We're not, we won't use it. And that's how we cut some of the cost on that game. Yeah, I was way too much into roller games. Like I, I, would, I was studying the whole thing like over time. Just like the, the Williams logos would be on the speakers, but then the later models, they took them off. You know, the flashers, there's like three different sets. There's, there's ones that have all the flashers, ones that the flashers aren't there, but the holes are there in the insert panel. And then there's ones that even the insert panel doesn't have the holes. I, mine was an earlier one. It actually has the wiring for that second redundant switch in the kickback area that was okay. removed. Now, what color, what color, color wire forms did you get? I had, uh, they, there were no color. They were the chrome. Okay. Because we 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 had tried to get those powder coated because at the time Data East was powder coating their wire forms and we thought that looked really cool, so we found some place to powder coat and I don't think they were powder coating them, they were just <laughs> painting them and so the paint was just coming off left and right and we were just getting beat up by you know I'd sit in the the, the salesman's office and he would play one phone phone message after another of just people complaining about the the paint coming off. If they were powder coated, they would have been fine. But I think the person who the the company that we went to for the powder coat wasn't actually powder coating them. So that's why the games have all different. You know, I think my game has one or two wire forms that are like red and yellow, and I think there might have been a blue one we used somewhere too. Yeah, through the run, you see so many different configurations of. Yeah. So what was the, the second switch in the kickback area? What was that for? Just redundancy. That was just redundancy. That was just redundancy. That was first to go. And then when I took it out, the first software I took it out, I took it out of the game and I marked it unused, but I forgot to take it out of the, the switch test. So after, you know, 60 balls, it would start saying, switch number this unused is bad. So that was like the first rev after we took it out had had that that I had to, had to fix in later versions. Oh, yeah, the test report. Let's say, yeah, on, on you switch. Yeah. When it comes to roller games, I always thought this was a cool little coding touch. Because in roller games, you have the lock area, and then there's the diverter there that diverts it either not in the lock or, or it does the cool thing where it fires the balls out in a circle and they go right back into the lock area, uh-huh. which I always thought was mm-hmm. cool. But I, I've only seen this happen in this particular instance. If you have two balls locked and you get sudden death and you finish sudden death, when you finish Sun Death, the last ball actually goes in the lock area. So you have three balls in the lock area, even though you haven't started multi-ball. And it will fire the diverter, which is just long enough to just hit the third ball and get it out of the lock area. Mm-hmm. I, I always thought that was cool. I, I remember that, that lock, the lock area, I could release one ball because, you know, one ball, you can always get rid of one ball. I could release three balls because that diverter would kick the ball out. But if there were two in there, I couldn't get rid of I couldn't get rid of just one of them. I either had to get rid of two or none. So that diverter, that diverter would like just hit that third ball. So I could I could knock that, you know, I could hold it in there and then just kick it out. That was kind of cool. That wasn't expected, but it worked, so I used it. 
And as you said, hurricane doesn't exist. Why doesn't hurricane exist? <laughs> um, nobody hits a home run every time. And um, that was a bunt single that was thrown out. Yeah. <laughs> um, and it's a shame because we all tried really hard on that game. And it just, it just didn't work. It just didn't work. And it's a shame because the other two games in that series were just amazing games. Comet and Cyclone were amazing games. Hurricane was not, and I, yeah, I, I have a Hurricane. I play it from time to time, but it's 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 nobody hits a home run every time, and I definitely didn't hit one that time. But you got to work with Python. Python was Python was great. I loved Python. Python was a cartoon. You almost didn't think of him as a person. I don't know how to describe him except that he was a cartoon. Now now that I'm older, I can definitely see where Python, you know, needed help in a few areas. But he was a blast to hang out with. I remember one time it was it was on that game and there was a bar down the street from Williams called Oinkers that a lot of people from Williams would go to after work. And I went there on like a Tuesday and I'm talking to Python. And Python is just spewing nonsense left and right. And he's drinking beer. He's got a pitcher full of beer. And he's got about eight or ten straws in the pitcher. And he's drinking the, the beer out with the straws out of a pitcher. And Python with a straight face is telling me how he gave up drinking. And he's telling me he gave up drinking with a pitcher of beer in his hand and straws in his hand. And I look at him. He's like, yeah, man, I have, I have given up drinking. And I'm like, what about this? He goes, except for weekends, holidays, and special occasions. Now, this was like a Tuesday in the middle of the week. There was no holiday. It wasn't a weekend. To the best of my knowledge, it wasn't a special occasion. But that was just Python. That was just the way he was. One time, I remember I was working on some game. It wasn't even a Python game. But it was like, you know, crunch time, end of the game. It's like 2 a.m. on a Saturday. And I'm working in my office. And all of a sudden, Python pops in, and he's animated. He's 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 in full Python mode, and you can just smell the alcohol coming off of him. And he grabs a marker and he starts drawing this ball mechanism animated. He's drawing this ball mechanism on my whiteboard. Uh, it was a ball popper, and it was going somewhere else. And he's drawing and drawing, and then he goes to erase it, and he realizes, okay, it was it was an indelible marker he used to use to sharpie. And he goes, I have some solvent in my office. I will be right back. And he disappears. Now I'm going back to work. And it's like now it's 3 a.m. And he pops in my office again. He's got a bottle of Old Spice deodorant. And he pops the ball off the deodorant. And he starts dumping it on my white wood. And he's trying to clean the stuff with the Old Spice deodorant. Now it reeked. The whole office smelled of this just Old Spice deodorant like, like you dunked yourself in it. And he, he just did that. And then he, he, he gives up and he can't clean it and he leaves. Now, meanwhile, I got an office that smells like somebody dumped a bottle of Old Spice deodorant in it. So I eventually, I just took the whitewood off the wall. I didn't have a, 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 I took the whiteboard off the wall. I took, I didn't have a whiteboard anymore. I stuck it in the hallway. And like six months later, I'm in Dwight Sullivan's office and he's got a whiteboard on his wall. And I can see like a ball popper mechanism that's like on it, an indelible marker. I go, where'd you get this whiteboard? He goes, in the hallway. <laughs> and then I told him the story out. 
it, you know, it reeked of um, it reeked of Old Spice deodorant. But um, yeah, Python Python was a character. And it's too bad he's not around. I went and visited him when um, when he was sick, and I remember going to Expo specifically just just to hear his last talk. And if you have you guys seen the interview where he um he's like talking in his kitchen with like a leg of lamb hiding be, um hanging behind him. I I recall that interview. Yes, where he compares himself to Michelangelo and Leonardo da Vinci. Python never had a good thing to say about anybody. He when he would um. He would give backhanded comment compliments to everybody. Like when we when we were working on Earthshaker and the playfields, we just got the playfields printed and we're in the art department. And Earthshaker was a nice looking playfield. I thought Tim Elliott did a really nice job on the playfield. Python takes me aside. He goes, I am glad to see he is finally using my colors. Now the colors were primary colors. They're blue and you know, and others and other primary colors. So I don't know what Python's colors were, but apparently python approved of the playfield because tim was finally using his colors yeah i mean he some of the interviews he's interesting in that he'll have some people like steve virtue's great but i hate pat waller or you know this person is is this this person's that yeah he's it's mm-hmm. very interesting he showed me his artwork he had done from before he was at williams he was doing political cartoons and other stuff and he was incredibly talented. He was incredibly talented, but John Yowsey came to pinball simply because Python couldn't be counted on doing his doing his job. So Python was the one who brought Yowsey in for Jokers, and then everybody who saw it is like, "Whoa, we gotta we gotta keep this guy around. This guy's good." John came from uh, uh, slot machines. I did not know where he came from, but he came from uh, slot machines. I actually dealt with him out before he came to pinball and during while in pinball when I was in the photo industry. That's interesting. When Python never finished anything on time. And (laughs) I, and I remember he always had a different excuse. The one time he told me that he didn't get the artwork done in time because he ate too much chicken. And the reason why he didn't get the artwork on time because he ate too much chicken was all the antibiotics that they feed chicken made him catch a cold because the antibiotics wouldn't help him. So he'd been sick at home with the cold because he'd eaten too much chicken and therefore the antibiotics didn't make him any better. And he would have called, except you know how bad the phones work in this place. <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> <laughs> Yowzers. <laughs> I remember Larry DeMarc going, yeah, I really felt bad for Python the first time his mom died. Uh, <laughs> yeah, that one I've heard. Yes, his mom died several times. Uh, well, Hurricane. So Hurricane Hurricane doesn't exist, ex- except in your house, off, off to the side. But the next game. Fishtails. Fishtails was kind of my, when I started Fishtails, I knew I was going to be leaving pinball afterwards. And I'm really glad I got to work on Fishtails because that game sold better than any other game I'd worked on. That game was a lot of fun. I got to use a dot matrix display, which I had started work on when I was going to do Terminator 2 until Steve and I got into our um, disagreement there. So it was just, it was a lot of fun. I think everybody on the team worked great. It just kind of came together. It was one of those games we had, you know how you, you see a game and you see the rules and you're like, okay, well, these were the rules. But every game... 
has, you know, two or three variations on the rules before you see it. Fishtails, we must have had 18. Mark, Richie, and I would talk, and we'd come up with a plan for the multi-ball rules. And then he'd leave, and then I'd start working on it. And then like a half hour later, he'd come in and say, now, what was it we agreed upon again? And I'd explain it to him. And then we'd come up with a new set of rules. And then he'd leave, and I'd work on that. And then the next day, he'd come in. So we must have gone through 10 sets of rules. And I probably got five of them coded before we changed them. And we ended up where multi-ball was much, much, much simpler, a much simplified version than what we started, which I think was the right, the right way to make that game. And, you know, we, we tested good. I think that was the first game that we put on test in a while where we went straight 50 cents, not three for a dollar, which didn't seem to hurt it, hurt it at all. I think everything, everything came out great on fishtails. Yeah. I love the, the multi-ball rules on that with the, you get the, the three jackpots and then the supers are led at the captive ball. Yeah. Super cool. And the, the video mode on that game was, I would love to take credit for. I programmed the video mode. I did not design the video mode at all. Scott Solmiani, who did the dot matrix artwork, he basically came to me. He had designed the whole mode in his head. He came to me and said, here's the artwork. This is how I want it to work. And I'm like, this is great. And then it was just trying to, you know, I, I programmed it and the, computer that was running pinball machines was really, really underpowered. And so the first time I coded it, it ran like one-tenth the speed that it runs now. And it bogs now. Um, so then it was probably probably a week of tweaking and taking this out and combining this together that we actually got it to run at full speed. And in Fishtails, the reason why we have so many different fish behind the score in fishtails like this, I don't know how many different fish are going back and forth across the screen behind the scores. Anytime I didn't have anything to give Scott, and he would come and say, okay, what can I do next? I'm like, ah, make more fish. So that's why we had so many different fish in the background on the score sweep on fishtails. Nice. And then you have the crazy fish topper. Yeah, that was, that was, we had, I think we had a, we had a topper that we bought like a rubber fish. And then we decided, okay, we need to make it ourselves. And this guy, Jerry Pinsler, who had done a lot of like sculpting for us in the past, he sculpted the fish. I think there's actually a little, like a pinball insert, which is the eye. And we just got one coil and, you know, anytime something big, it's like flap, flap, flap. That was, I think the only game I worked on that, that had a topper prior to, to bond 60th. And, um, it was, it was just something else in the game. So that game comes out and you said that you, you knew you were leaving. You kind of left. The industry was at, I would say almost its height in late eighties, early nineties. I was burned out. I was burned out. And there were, there were other reasons. I think I touched on it before that I seem to have a lot of stories where I don't get along with somebody and um, it can't always be the other person. So I just needed a break. I hadn't, um, I just needed a break. I was burned out. I always kind of knew I'd be back though. How I ended up at Stern, I was working in a couple different industries. I was working in the financial industry for about 10 years before I came to Stern. But a couple years before I came here, I had a day off from work 
and I called up Steve Ritchie and we went to lunch. So I, I came to, I drove to Stern, met Steve. He gave me a tour of the factory. Um, and we went to lunch and, you know, I saw a couple people that I'd known from before and I just got such just a warm feeling about the place. It just seemed like a really good place. Everybody was nice. And it, it just is like, sometimes you walk into a place and you're like, this place feels really good. I've walked into places before where that wasn't the case, but when I walked into Stern, it it just felt it just felt like a good place. So I had, like I said, I'd worked in the in the financial industry for about ten years. I had quit my, quit my job and I had another job lined up, and I was waiting out twenty twenty with a non compete agreement. And you know, three or four times during the year, I get like a text message from Mike Vinicor saying, hey, you know, we're looking for somebody at Stern. And I'm like, no, 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 I, I got this other job lined up. I'm looking for that. And he's like, hey, you know, we still have a still have a job in the systems department at Stern if you're looking for it. And I'm like, no, no, I'm good. I'm starting this job next week. And then I got to that job. And the minute I, I started that other job, I'm like, I'm just not ready to go back into the financial industry. So I, I, I normally I make fun of these people, but I worked at that place seven days and on my seventh day I'm working and I'm texting Mike, hey, Mike, is that job still open? <laughs> and then so I got a call from from Mark Guidarelli that night and I've known him for 20 years or so. And then I think George Gomez called me the next day, told me what they were planning for Insider Connected and ended up at Stern after that. I've been there, I think in another month, it'll be two years. And I started there on Insider Connected. And when I'm done with Bond 60, I'm going to go back to Insider Connected. But just like how I ended up on Earthshaker, you know, this scheduling came up where it's like, okay, you know, everybody's kind of tasked a little thin on this game. And I, I knew it had the score reels. And I'm like, I want to do that. I want to write the code for the score reels. I want to be on that game. And then I ended up working on Bond 60. So you're going, okay. So you're going back, you think you're, you're going back to Insider Connected when you're done with. I'm going to go back to work on Insider Connected when I'm done. And um, that's a great team. We got a lot of ideas. Bond 60th edition is at, well, at least announced. And they showed it, they showed it at an event at CES. Yeah. yeah. And it's going to be, I think they're making them soon. I think it was supposed to be end of January, beginning of February. I think you're about right. I haven't given them final software yet, but I'm, prepping for that day so it could be very soon we're going to start making them let's see anything you could tell us about just basic rules like if i'm going to play the game what do i do in this new bond 60th okay well the the bond 60th game it's a it's a one level play field with score reels it's got a rule set that is kind of a bridge between older games and modern games there's the old style games where you hit A, B, C, and you get your double bonus. It's got the score reels. It's got chime sounds, but it also has a lot of 80s style sounds from like the early 80s Stern game sounds that sound like that. And it's got modern sounds. There's a, a Moby tune in it from James Bond. There's 10 drop targets on the game. We've got a bank of four, a bank of three, and an inline bank of three with a lock behind it on the right side. We've got four opto spinners. We've got one spinning disc with um, Oddjob's hat on top of the disc. Like I said, we got the score reels. There's the 
two eject holes, two pop bumpers. I still try to call them jet bumpers, but I'm told that's not the name of them anymore. So I still try to call those jet bumpers, and I'll still call a ball popper a ball popper and not a buck. This game doesn't have a ball popper or a buck. That it's got the topper, 007 logo with, I think, 100 and... 120 lights or some, some I don't remember exactly. The topper with the LEDs and the Bond logo looks amazing. There's, I think, four multi-balls. There's a standard multi-ball where you hit three in-lines, lock behind it. Then you start a multi-ball. You have to lock both balls. You lock both balls. Then you get a third ball. While you're in three-ball multi-ball, you lock one ball, and then you shoot the captive ball for a jackpot, and then you shoot a bottom target for a super jackpot. There's gadgets you can light where you hit a drop target mag, you spin the hat, you move the progress bar for the gadget, you get four gadgets and you start gadget multiball, where in the gadget multiball, there are 60 movie gadgets that you have to hit the spinners and the, the spinning disc for, and those are kept on Insider Connected, so if you've gotten 20 of them this time, next time you play, as you, as you keep going, you'll eventually get all of them, and that's that's one of the Insider Connected achievements where you can get all the 60 movie gadgets. We've got the six actors who play James Bond on the backboard behind the playfield. The top left eject hole when that's lit, that awards one of the one of the Bonds. When you get all six of the Bond actors, you start playing Bond multiball, where you go through all 25 movies at the James Bond, wherein you get the movie logo on, on the little LCD screen. There's an LCD screen in the play field, along with the score reels in the top. So the score is in the score reels, but the play field has, you know, the instructions, shoot this for jackpot, shoot this. So there's Bond multiball, gadget multiball. There's six different villain modes. So around the odd job hat are six different villains. Each of the villain modes is concentrated on one of the features of the game. So the pop bumpers, the drop targets, the spinners, a couple other shots and the thing. You get all six of those modes, then you play villain multiball. And then if you do all of that, there's a wizard mode, which will build towards a 007 multiball, where you have a bomb you have to defuse. You build up points to build the bomb value. Then the bomb starts ticking and you defuse the bomb, you defuse the bomb, you get bond multiball where you get four balls in play. The game has three different sets of chime sounds. At the start of the game, the game comes up and you can pick with the flippers which sound style you want to play with. So we've got three different sets of chime sounds. You can guess those three manufacturers that I won't mention directly with the sounds, but one starts with a W, one starts with a G, one starts with a B. Um, <laughs> And it sounds very much like those chimes. Um, we've got an 80s mode, which sounds an awful lot like the early 80s Stern games. And then we've got a modern mode, which sounds an awful lot like sounds that you know are in games now. We had a great team. Keith Elwin, I'm sure you guys are aware of Keith. He oh, did yes. the play field. Mitch Deason helped me out with the code. Mitch did some of the lamp effects and some other things on the game. He did a lot. A lot with the code. Kevin O'Connor did the artwork on the playfield and the and the um, back class. Kevin's been around since Strikes and Spares. Rob Blakeman did the um, did the mechanics on the game. Chuck Ernst, Mark Galvez did the the artwork on the LCD, and Jerry Thompson did the um, did the sounds. People will probably have this by the time this episode comes out. So 
This is going to be a good tutorial for them. Yes, we know Keith very well. We call him the one. <laughs> and, you know, it's it's when 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 he and I were would be like you know flipping the whitewood. I would try something. He's like, okay, which shot? And then boom, he would make it. Boom, he would make it. Boom, he would make it. He's just he's just amazing to watch play a game of pinball. I'm terrible, especially compared to somebody like Keith or Ray or Tim or anybody else. But just watching those guys play and just shot, shot, shot. They can just pick them off. Yeah, if you saw Raymond last night at uh, on uh, no, not last night. This morning. This morning at four in the morning, they finally finished the state finals for Illinois, Illinois. and he finished the Simpsons pinball party on stream while playing in a tournament. Well, finished. <laughs> well, the, it's, that's not what it's called, right, Bruce? It's like know, the it's super, duper, super duper extreme mega. He has to look wizard it up. Mode. It's yeah, the, the wizard mode. Yeah, and you know it's hard enough to even get to this thing, and there he does it in a competition with every all these other great players. There's Ray. Just they had a hundred right people there. watching at four in the morning. That's four in the morning, yeah, Central Time. So it's yes. five a.m. here. I don't think they're going to be playing Bond that long. No, because <laughs> I think Keith said his high score on it was like eighteen k, so he wasn't really concerned. So I hear you have like on the above the reels. There's actual lights. Like 10,000, yeah, 20,000, 30,000. 10,000, 20,000, 30,000, 40,000. And the last one says over the top, oh, which nice. is when you're beyond that. So it's got the got the lights. I thought it w- would have been fun to have it say something like, you know, play fl- flipper skill games for fun and enjoyment or whatever those the old Jotley used to say that. It's more fun to compete or something. Put yes. that on there somewhere. <laughs> one to four can play. It's more fun to compete. Yes. Actually, uh, that would have been good because you could have tied that into Insider Connected. You know, it's more fun to compete. Uh-huh. Compete on Insider Connected and then have the thing about Bobby thing, like below it to scan in. So I just came up with an idea. See? <laughs> Steal it. Steal it. <laughs> All right. Well, um, that was a lot of cool stuff. A lot of cool stories there. I'm sure no one has no one has ever heard. There's a Steve Ritchie story that needs to be told, Uh-oh. but I need to I need to clear it with him. Oh, okay. yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I've told it to several people, and I've told it in front of him. But uh, before I would tell it in a in like something that's going to be preserved, I'll need to clear it with him. So. If you guys are interested at one point in time, we can try this again. Yes. Yeah, yeah we, we, we could do <laughs> <That's> that. Because <laughs> I've, I've, I've heard a lot of Steve stories from Steve. I think we were talking about code names before for games. I think, if I remember, the Black Knight, Sword of Rage, the code name was, I think, Paris? Something yeah. like that. And I figured it yeah. had to do with his story about Black Knight 2000's Paris debut and their Paris distributor and the horse just taking a big giant dump on the stage and all that whole story. I figured that's had to be where it, it came from. Cause he's told that story a lot. Oh, that makes sense. As the years go by, the story gets like the first time I heard it in the early two thousands, it was hardcore. And then it kind of gets a little more sanitized as the years go on. <laughs> well, we look forward to that. We look forward to Bond's 60th anniversary. We have a couple oh, questions. Thank you. We have a, we have a couple you. questions for him. Oh, you have a couple questions for him, Bruce. What game does he like? Oh yeah, hey, what, I know he's going to struggle with the hate. He said. Oh, let let me let me find the list. <laughs> oh, he's got the list. Okay, games you like, games you hate. Games I liked when I was growing up, like the 
The games I liked growing up from the EM era, I liked OXO, Space Mission, 4 million BC. I really liked Chicago Coin Cinema, Boomerang, Grand Prix, Fast Draw, Target Alpha. Early solid state games, I like Flash, I like Firepower, I like Paragon. Early alphas, I like Taxi a lot, I like High Speed, Black Knight 2000. I really like Time Machine and Monday Night Football. I thought those two games really put Data East on the way of you know, making games as good or better than what was coming out of Williams at the time. Monday Night Football, when you're shooting the bomb and you're shooting the... um. The, the goalpost was a lot of fun. Time Machine I loved. The Chimes. Um, later games, I really liked Who Done It. I thought that was an underrated game. I thought Dwight's set of rules on Who Done It was just a fun game to play. I like all the recent Sterns we've done. You know, the, the Cornerstone Bond, Rush, Godzilla, Mandalorian. I think all those games have been really well. I did the conversions for insider connected for stranger things and Beatles. i got to play both of those i thought those games were both really great shooting that thing on stranger things is a lot of fun and really satisfying and Beatles was just a great play field um let's see games i don't like em games i thought rogo and strato flight were terrible from that era solid state games phoenix i had a phoenix i don't know why I, I never liked Phoenix. Totally agree. Um, so far, we're good on the hate. We're good. <laughs> um, let's see. When people are capable of doing really great games and they don't, that's when it's disappointing. <laughs> and you look at the games that Bally made right before Williams bought them. It was just a dark days for Bally. Oh, like nice. Blackwater 100, Escape from the Lost World. Uh, I think Dungeons and Dragons with those crazy return lanes it's a shame because they did such amazing games and you look at those and it's just they tried really hard they you know they, they checked every box and it just it just didn't work we talked about how games we had we had names for uh motor dome we used to call motorhome uh, <laughs> there were some some gottlieb games around that time i don't remember Hard was it? Not hard body. Goldwing was, was bad. Body. Yeah, it's just just a bad era for pinball. And the thing is, they were all capable and capable of doing so much better. And yeah, like I said, I made Hurricane. So what can, what can, I, what can I say? <laughs> nice, nice. Someone else likes cinema other than me. I like cinema too. Oh, I love those four, those four, those four eject holes yeah, in a row. Yeah, the eject holes in yes. a row. I, I played this for the first time just uh, last year, and me and my dad kept playing it over and over. It's like this is pretty neat. And I really like Boomerang with that. If you shot it just right, you get that that ball to loop all the way around. Yep, it does. It's the the round orbit. It just keeps on going all the way around. Yep. Let me run through real quick what I hate about each game I worked on. Okay. I like this. I like this. Okay, what I hated about each game I worked on, Earthshaker, I would have done basically everything different. It was my first game. On your first game, you make all sorts of mistakes. On your second game, you correct them all, but you correct them too much. And on your third game, you kind of you kind of hit hit the stride. So Earthshaker, everything, everything under the hood, I would have done different. I don't know if it would have played any different or anybody would have noticed. 
I would have moved where I did the shaker motor because the shaker motor is a lot of times not predictable in how I'm trying to control it and then ended up being controlled. Let's see, Elvira. The game was shipped at a time when, you know, everybody was working towards the same set of locks. So, you know, I'd lock a ball and you'd release it. Um, the first time I programmed that game, I, I had it where everybody had individual locks. And we switched to shared locks, like, the night before we went out on test. Uh, I think I would have liked to have kept the individual locks. And roller games, I, uh, sudden death is not fair. And I would have done more to make sudden death a little more fair. Hurricane, we mentioned, we, we would have just skipped fishtails. What I would have done on fishtails different and I'm kind of sorry I didn't do it, is I would have kidnapped Mark Ritchie and not let him put lightning flippers on that game. <laughs> now we have a question then about sudden death then. How random is it? I look for, you know, there, there ha- I, I want to make sure it doesn't start while you're trapping the ball. So I look for activity. At the start of the ball, it just looks for activity. And if a random number gets to be... You know, a certain random number, it'll start the mode as long as it thinks you're doing something. And then on the if you haven't played it by ball three, it'll be a little more likely to start towards the beginning of ball three. Mm -hmm. But I know they're doing some things now on modes like that where it's so many, so many switch hits and then it starts. That's how a lot of games have done some of that lately. I wish I would have done a better job on that because, you know, if you're especially if you're playing and you're trying to compete against somebody, you know, I may get it on ball one and you may not get it at all. Yeah. And I wished it would have been a little more fair. Sun death. Go for the wall. Go for the wall. Funny story. I owned that game and didn't realize it was a show. And then when I heard about that it was a show i realized that i had watched the show when i was a kid it's like wait a minute <laughs> and then it came back to me like yes the wall they had the wall of death i remember and then team names like the rockers i remember them the violators uh, i bought the magazine i went to the jewel which is the grocery store here and i bought the only issue of roller games magazine i might have been the only one because <laughs> i don't think anybody else bought that thing some people, some people have really liked roller games. Like if the when I was working in the financial industry, and people were talking about pinball, and one day some guy goes, "Yeah, I really liked as a kid playing roller games pinball." And I'm thinking, "You're saying this on purpose because you know I worked on the game." But he was completely unaware that I had worked on it. I had it for years. I, I loved especially the the locks when you lock a ball, the little show that goes on. It dims the lights down and all that. I had a lot of fun on that game making the um, the displays dim. I had one dim mode on the displays, so like all my blinking on, off, on, off on that game is really going bright, dim, bright, dim, bright, dim. That was a lot of surgery under the hood to make that happen. When we got to WPC, it was a lot easier because timers and Larry did some great dimming stuff on on the couple WPC games that had the segment displays, but the, there was a lot of surgery under the hood to make that roller games display dim. So I heard. I hear you were uh, a secret character in a game. I'm in a couple games. I'm in NBA Jam, <laughs> which I didn't even know about until in my last job, somebody came and said, you worked on NBA Jam. And I'm like, no, I didn't. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, you're in the game. I'm like, really? Okay. And I'm in, um, I'm in Open Ice, which was a video game I worked yep. on. And I'm in the crowd 
in the WrestleMania game, the WrestleMania arcade game. I'm one of the guys in the crowd there. Nice. Nice. <laughs> I like that. <laughs> but like I've people know me as the guy in where I last worked, they knew me as the person who was in NBA Jam. That's and they funny. they did stuff where they would play as me and record the video and send it out on <laughs> That's really cool. He's on fire. He's on fire. I don't know what my stats were like in that game. (laughs) Let's see. (laughs) He's going to look it up. No, don't look it up. I am looking up. Oh, God. He's on fire. He's on fire, folks. Nope, doesn't show that much. Just shows the picture of you playing in footage. And and I think they even did a game, like the old old, uh, magazine Game Pro at one time had a had an article where they showed all the hidden people. So in some old game pro issues, there's a picture of me with, you know, I was, I was losing my hair at the time, but I had fully given up on the long hair. And yeah, so <laughs> it's actually there. funny. We watched the video and it's pretty cool. <laughs> Your name's up there and everything. <laughs> I have no more questions, Ron. My questions are all done now. <laughs> yeah. I, my questions are all done now too. Excellent. Well, Mark, thank you for coming on. You are thank always you, welcome. Thank to you very join much. Us. Hopefully, hopefully you can get something out of this. No, no, we um, will definitely. And we can't wait to hear that new Steve Ritchie story once it's been approved. I know, yes. <laughs> the, Steve Ritchie, the Steve Ritchie story. The Steve Ritchie story. I gotta tell, but I gotta, I gotta get the permission. You gotta get permission. Oh, yeah, definitely. Get permission. You do, we'll get you back on when you do your next game. Hopefully, that's not thirty years. No, no, it won't be. no. I guarantee it won't be. Thanks a lot for joining us. Thank you oh, thank much. you. I'll probably see you at a show. Bruce barely makes it to shows anymore. Poor Bruce, but I might I go see East it. Coast. Like if you're at Expo. Yeah, next year at Expo, definitely, definitely come talk. All right. Oh, definitely. All right. So All right. thank you, Mark. Thank you, Mark. Yep. You have a great night. You have a great night. You too. Bye. Bye. Bye-bye. Okay, Bruce, to borrow a phrase from uh, Marty Robbins, what did we learn? What did we learn? We learned that he is the longest uh, designer, a rule designer between years. So almost 30 years. Longest rule designer between years. Another great quote. Yes. uh, 30 years of uh, working. 30 years between games. Yes. That is impressive. I don't think that is very impressive. I don't think even Harry Williams could say that. Nope. I don't think so either. So uh, we noticed that he is uh, has a great future. Upcoming with uh, Stern, with games, and also with the Insider Connected. Well, he said he was going right back to Insider Connected after yep. this, but yep. I mean, I, I love those stories, the Steve Ritchie stories. I know. I Did mean, you ever hear about the the Black Knight? Was it Black Knight's Castle, or was going to be? It sounded like pinball circus type game. Yeah, like they were going to go towards. That I have format. never heard that before. No, that is pretty neat. Or I just picture them shoving the game in and out of the office like you're working on this no <laughs> you're not you're working on this no you're not <laughs> sounds like us when we argue about things oh yeah all the time yes of course yes uh you take this countdown i'll take it i'll take the <laughs> countdown damn it <laughs> well it's been 200 episodes bruce ready for 200 more yeah 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 you are yeah unless i die in a plane crash next week Wow, that's morbid, Bruce. It is very morbid. But I, I am the guy, the guy who watches all those a- airplane disaster shows. Because I want to know what to do if I am in an accident and what not to do. You burn up. No, no, no. Some you don't. So some you don't. Okay. Your, your neck is broken. Some you don't either. Okay. Some people do live. 
in plane crashes. Some. So, so when you get on the plane, you make sure you see where the exit doors are. Yep. Yeah, uh, I, I, I do. I do do that. And I listen to the, uh, you know, in case we're going into the water. You know, I know where my swimmy thing is. Yep. And I look at the instructions to see how to open the door. Yes. Because I have visions that the person in the row had paid no attention to anything. He'll just and sit he's there. Just sitting there trying how do to I push open it. He's trying <laughs> to like hit a button, or it's like, no, you pull on these two things, you idiot. And you don't push the door out because it won't go out. You pull it in. Yeah. Yes, I agree. Wow, that's a weird way to die. Die. That's just a, <laughs> yeah, the episode's dying with that. Damn. No, it did not. It was a great episode. Uh, I would just say thank you to everyone. Guys, you know, 200 years, is, uh, 200 episodes. It feels like 200 years. <laughs> it really does feel like 200 years sometimes. Pinball will no longer exist and we'll still be talking about it. They're still around. What the hell is pinball? The fuck are they talking about? Uh, back in my day, we had great games like Rush. We'll have our heads in uh, bubbles like Futurama. <laughs> oh yeah. Who was that Nixon? Yes. Yes. <laughs> yes. I Thank you that. to all our listeners. Uh, let me look at our thing. We got plugs. I already did my plugs. So again, we are the Slam Tilt Podcast. We can be found at. Um, Wow. At <laughs> it. No, we're not editing that. You you put my bruises in, that stays uh, in. Yeah. We are the Slam Till Podcast. Well, we can be found at slamtillpodcast.com. The upper right hand corner has all our links. You can correspond with us at slamtillpodcast at gmail.com. We are looking always for more guests. Sure, Bruce is always looking for more guests. I kind of like the uh, Ron Bruce thing, but hey, maybe our fans could tell us, do you like more guests? Do you want just more Ron and Bruce? Nobody wants more Bruce. No one. Oh, everyone loves Bruce. Come on. They're all going to be asking for you to do the intro for now on after this episode. I'm waiting for Steve from a bonus to put me in as one of the pinball dictionary things as Bruceism. Oh, Bruceism. Oh, there you go. I think it should happen. Make it so, Steve. Make it so. Yes, yes. He needs. We haven't uh, had them in a while. I we mean, those are definitely Bruceisms. Yeah, so many of them. It literally has needs to have its own term because they don't make any sense. Not at all. Except to you. Except to me. Mm-hmm. Guess what matters. That's what. That's what matters. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Thanks, everyone. Here's oh, to another 200 episodes. Until next time. And do you have one ready, Bruce? I do. You do? I do. I thought you said, oh, shit. I was going to be like, oh, he doesn't have one ready. I have it. It's an easy one. Oh, it's an easy one? Okay. Say goodbye, Bruce. Goodbye to any names I've missed on the call-outs.
Ready? Ready for mm-hmm. the comedy gold? I'm sure. Gold. It's like gold turd. <laughs> a gold turd. Is that the new I got Bond a gold turd. I got a golden turd. I got a golden turd to make my day. That's the new Bond movie. Gold turd. Gold turd. <laughs> Can't stack the modes with any multi ball and ruin everything. It's only on point eight five. <laughs> It's only 8.5, no, 0. 0.85, 8.5. It's like, Jesus. That's right. going to be gold for the end, I swear to God. What did he have about the, so the sun is the exact dimension of a pinball, or some just crazy. No, uh, it's the, the pinball is halfway between the atom and the sun, Ooh. is what he said. Ah, wow. Yes, that is true. The pinball is what it's, it's it, yes. I worked at Disney, you know. <laughs> that sounds a little. That sounds a little like a cross between Python and Triumph, Triumph the Insult Dog. <laughs> yes, excellent. It Thank totally you. is. You see, if you make it raspier, there. I love you, Pinheads. You are so great. How do you explain this hobby to your imaginary girlfriend? I don't know. Yes. 